Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hello and welcome to Sports Speed After Hours. I am your host, Pemahe Mooley Jr. And joining me as always on the ones and twos is the local lovable Canuck himself, Zachary Hicken. Hemma, we are back, dude. Uh, we took a one-week hiatus because you almost died I was, last week. I was dead, literally. He was, uh, we had Count uh, Hamula over here. <laughs> Uh no, Hema Hema yeah. had taken a trip up to the Pacific Northwest for the uh Utah football game and he mm-hmm. came back and had caught a nasty bug and Dude, you, it was you, rough. You dipped out a little bit early and I was gonna record a solo episode, but it just didn't feel right. Mm. I, I felt like I was cheating on you if that was the case. <laughs> well the the duo, the dynamic duo is back together. We are back. And uh guess what else is back? Christmas music. Everywhere you go. Oh, dude. So last Saturday, <laughs> well, first off, I want to mention we are back and we are brought to you by kslsports.com. Mm. Make sure you guys check out kslsports.com for all the latest and greatest in what's going on in sports. We had a huge weekend. Uh, I was listening to Cougar Tracks mm-hmm. put out by our BYU insider, Mitch Harper. He said we had 15 BYU stories over the weekend between Jeez. basketball, soccer, football. Um, a lot was going on with BYU. Mm. Um, not a whole lot going on with Utah because of the bye week, but still, uh, we had a couple pieces out on the Utes this weekend. Um, a big win for the Aggies on the road, snapping that two-game losing skid. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Jazz pick up two big wins over the, uh, during the week. They had mm. the weekend off. but Delicious Jazz. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about this later because it was such a great Jazz week this week. No, it really was, especially after a disappointing week. It it would have been funny if I recorded last week because my tone and temperament and just attitude <laughs> would have been completely different. But yeah, it's a good thing that we took a week off, I guess, in that case. But anyway, if you need to check out, if you're looking for a change up in your sports coverage and you haven't found kslsports.com yet, mm-hmm. may I invite you to go check it out? Will we you have, go check out? We have an entire podcast network. Uh, we have podcasts that are dedicated to just the jazz, mm-hmm. Real Salt Lake. Utah, BYU, Utah State. We also have this podcast. We have Helmets Off. Um, 
we have uh, Special Forces Gang. Mm-hmm. Um, and those two um, Helmets Off Special Forces Gang arrivals brought to you by former college athletes, Scott Mitchell, Jason Buck, Tom Hackett, Isaac Asiata. So, um, they know what they're talking about. They know what they're talking about. It's a good mix of uh, insight from insiders, former athletes, and then fun guys like me and Hema. Yeah, and then we're here too. Yeah, we're here too. <laughs> um, but we are happy to be here. Uh, but yeah, let's start with the with the Jazz. Okay. Because, man, two huge wins. Like, it cannot be understated how big those wins are because last week we're sitting around talking about Okay, the disappointment that was the game against the Kings. Scheduled loss, right. in my right. opinion. Um, they had played like four games in five days, something crazy. Mm-hmm. And they come back, they have one day rest, and they're traveling. They go to L.A. Um, L.A. has Kawhi. And they had opportunities in both those games, but they're struggling with the offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. They go back, they get a two-day break. Um, they're back home, well-rested, and... It was obvious entering that game Wednesday against the Sixers that they'd worked on some things. For sure. Mainly offensive rebounding and, well, getting defensive rebounds. Yeah. Not letting the other team get offensive rebounds. Um, getting what a lot of teams call kills, stops. Because right. um, you can't really... Mark Pope actually said it really well after the BYU-San Diego State game. A stop doesn't count unless you get the rebound. And Exactly. Um, so drilling that in... Uh, Wednesday, it was very evident that, you know, the Jazz really drilled that in um, because they had struggled on the boards, and Mike Conley's out getting boards, mm-hmm. Jeff Green's out getting boards, Rudy Gobert's out getting boards. And that wasn't something I expected because I honestly thought the Jazz would struggle with the length that the Sixers have. Yes. Um, between uh, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, um, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons it's... Uh, it, yeah. it was a it was a tough matchup, and I honestly thought that there was no way that the Jazz were going to win this game. And then you turn around on Friday, the Jazz play the Bucks, and the Bucks yeah. are even longer than the it's, Sixers. You you look at it this way: like in these two games, you've got three of the top five big men in the NBA playing against each other, mm-hmm. and Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like it's those two guys match up traditionally really well with Rudy Gobert and I was really worried yeah but uh to think that Utah would get the dub in both those games I I probably wouldn't have called it honestly well and then Ed Davis you know not being available Mm, really hurt too um and the Jazz did get some help with the Sixers with Ben Simmons going down with a shoulder injury um (laughs) which is the best shoulder injury I've seen well it was just it was so weird so I was there in in the um, arena for the first half of that game, mm-hmm. and he's backing down Royce, and he literally yeah. just puts his shoulder into him, and all of a sudden he's just <laughs> like grabs his shoulder, and I was like, yeah, he's yeah. done. Like yeah. he just ran into a brick wall. Yeah, did not expect Royce to be so stout, but yeah, yeah, Royce, um, he's a tough defender, man. But I mean, it's you when you back a guy down, you're literally saying, I'm gonna push this guy into the 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 basket, and Ben Simmons thought that Royce O'Neal was a chump and Royce literally broke his shoulder. So yeah. that's why I like I mean I I don't hate Ben Simmons by any stretch of the imagination. It's just funny cuz Ben Simmons was like, "Okay, I'm going to go toe to toe with this guy." And he lost. Well, and people really underestimate how good of a player Royce is because yes. he's 
you know, he's not a starter. He's probably the seventh man in the Jazz rotation, but he's very good. Like he's it's crazy. he's very underrated. I mean, and he started actually. I guess he did start the season opener against the Thunder, but um, you know, well, he's, he's not, not a, a regular starter. Yeah. starter. Yeah. Um, he'll start depending on the matchup, but um, yeah, it was just it was an all around good win. Um, everyone stepped up. Rudy was defensively was fantastic. I mean, you look at the bigs that he was playing against between Al Horford, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. Um, they were a combined, let me do the math real quick, 12 for 41. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Joel Embiid was 5 for 16, so under 30 under 33%. Tobias Harris, 4 for 11, under 33%. And Al Horford, 3 for 14. Wow. And Al Horford is a baller. Yeah. We love that guy. Yeah. Um, that's That's mind-blowing. Um, the Jazz pulled down uh, 14 offensive rebounds, 36 defensive rebounds. Only gave up seven offensive rebounds. Wow. Um, so a big improvement. Big improvement. Um, especially, I mean, when you're doubling up the number of offensive rebounds you have, those are all second chance points. And um, it makes a difference in a two-point game because, frankly, mm-hmm. you know, um, I mean, it, it was really a four-point game. Josh Richardson got that bucket like at the buzzer right um but yeah just a really nice all-around win for the jazz um donovan continues just his great streak 24 points yep. boyan 20 points another great streak hit um a bunch of big threes starting to see mike conley kind of find his own he had 15 mm-hmm. rudy added 14 and 16 boards great all-around win the cool thing about this jazz team and we've said it all preseason but this is kind of good evidence of that because it was such a quality win mm-hmm. is the Jazz are in a position where they have the personnel where the, the quote-unquote stars of our team really only need to put up 12 to 15 points. They don't need a 30-point game, a 40-point game like we needed Donovan to do last year a few mm-hmm. times. Um, and I think – and this that was like a comfortable – like 15 for how much did you say Mike Conley had 15? 15. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a comfortable 15 for Mike Conley. He wasn't stretching it. He was picking his shots. It was a great, um, tempo setting game for the jazz and, um, a great precursor to the game to follow, which I feel like is probably one of their more complete games of this season. So yeah, far. other than the third quarter, um, we're moving sure. on to the bucks game now. Yeah. Um, and, Again, so I just one thing I want to stress is so we see the Jazz, um, they start out really well, and then they, like I said, they kind of they struggled a little bit those two games against the Kings and the Clippers, and then having an opportunity because they, they're learning in these losses, they're right, they're learning rotations, who's playing well together, and they've changed some things up. Like, there's a lot of times now that Donovan and Mike aren't on the floor together, mm-hmm. um, to allow each player to kind of be the main ball handler the main creator mm-hmm. um just because mike is used to being a ball dominant guard donovan kind of thrives as a ball dominant guy he one thing that i really noticed in the game against the bucks um donovan when they go over the screen when someone sets a screen for donovan mm-hmm. and the defender goes over the screen i feel like that's when donovan's really at his best because hmm. he's so quick and explosive that he can either take them off the dribble or um he can while they're trying to get through the screen. He can step over to the wing oh, and yeah. knock down a, a three. He's leading, um, heading into that game against the Bucks. I'm I'm not sure where it's at now. I need to look at the stats, but 
heading into that game against the Bucks, he was leading the NBA in wing threes at 60%. He's knocking down 60% yeah. of them, and he's knocking down like 62% of his mid-range uh, shots, oh, which is just insane. That's crazy. The mid-range is such a bad shot. Like, statistically, sure. you were told to not take a mid-range shot. Like, sure. You take a, a foot or two, step out to yeah. get three points. Yeah, yeah. You go back a couple feet, and you yeah. go knock down a three instead. Um, but Donovan's so efficient at it, and it's it's evident that he's added that to his game. Mm-hmm. And it's opening up things um, for the bigs. He can dish it out. Or he's driving it, and the defender needs to take him with. Right. Needs to go with him. And so Donovan's able to create for someone else. And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but that last shot um, against the Bucks, the way that play was drawn up, mm-hmm. that Bojan knocked down. So Joe was supposed to pass it d- to Donovan. But um, so Bojan set a, a Screen for Donovan. Donovan goes in. The, um, it was kind of a half. The defender, screen, yeah, the <laughs> defender follows Donovan, and so that opens up for Bojan, um, because Donovan's a legit threat from the mid range. Sure. So they had to follow him, yeah. and you'd rather you know Bojan knocks down like fifty percent of his corner threes. Mm-hmm. Donovan's at sixty percent from the mid range. You statistically you want to follow Donovan, right? And that opens up Bojan. He knocks down the three. He's the hero. Yeah. And the cool thing about that play is that the players actually drew it up in the huddle. Quinn originally had Mike taking that corner three. Yeah. Bojan said, hey, why don't you switch Mike over to the other side and let me take the shot and I'll make it. And he did. And so that was that was really cool. Yeah, it was cool too. Like in the post game with Mike Conley, Mike Conley you know, shared his side of the story where he talks about Boyan, you know, suggesting that to him. And Boyan's like, yeah, why don't you just pull your defender out to the arc? And he's like, no, I'm going to pull him to half court to give you like a lot of space. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, to go back to Donovan real quick, I think you're absolutely right that Donovan is so quick that if you go over that screen, he can change directions. And the crazy thing is he's got his mid-range game now. It's obvious. He's I don't know how what the number was, but I saw him hit at least five shots from mid-range. Yeah. Um, against a really long team that he shouldn't yeah. be able to do that against. But like... It's crazy too that Donovan, if you go over that screen, he's already in the lane. Mm-hmm. Like that's the that's the crazy thing. So like, what do you do? Do you like try to keep up with him going to the lane, but then he'll just p- hit the brakes and, and hit a mid range jumper? Mm-hmm. Um, I think thinking and go, thinking back to last season, I remember a lot of people talking about how ugh Donovan needs to work on his three game because he had such high percent uh, high volume shots and a lot of his threes were going down. But I think. The interesting thing is Donovan instead worked on his mid-range game, which is kind of counterintuitive. But knowing, having the people that we have on the team now, it's like, dude, this works out perfectly. Mm -hmm. Because you've got Boyan, who's hot from three. You've got Mike Conley, who's heating up from three. Or Joe Ingles. And that mid-range jumper that Donovan has down is, like, super key now. And Mm -hmm. um, it it was a lot of fun to watch during the game. Um. What do you think of uh, Boyan's performance overall? Well, I mean, a thirty what thirty three point outing, mm-hmm. really impressive. I mean, when you have multiple guys that can go out on a given night, and we talked about it earlier. You know, there's not pressure on any of these guys to go out and put out a huge offensive number every single night because of the way that the the scoring is able to be spread out. But when you have 
seven guys who could score 20 plus on any given night it's a good sign mm-hmm. um you know we were talking off the air earlier um about Donovan Donovan having a 19 point game and you're disappointed in it <laughs> it's crazy um and it's crazy and the thing that was weird about that game is that there were stretches that Donovan just was not had no impact on the game offensively mm-hmm. um because he wasn't I mean, he was drawing away the defense, but right. it opened things up for Bojan and Mike. And Mike had a twenty-point first half. Bojan hit a bunch of huge threes. Like basically, the the Bucks and Jazz were just trading threes back and forth the entire yeah. first quarter. Like, I think like maybe like four um, baskets in in that first quarter were non threes. Mm-hmm. They were the threes or free throws. Um, and so it was it was kind of cool to see that. And it's you know you can trust so many different guys to knock down big shots. Yeah. Um like we were saying earlier, that last play could have been drawn up for four different guys. For anybody. Yeah. Um in fact, I think I overheard them talking about how like Joe's Joe's like reads, I guess you could say to bring it like for like a football terminology or whatever. It was like his first read was the lob to Donovan. Second read was Boyan. Third mm-hmm. read was Mike Conley. Yeah. And um, you could see him making that progression, like, as he's taking the ball out. And it's um, it's just – and you got to remember, the Bucks and, like, even the Sixers, like, they're, dude, they're going to finish top three in the East. Mm-hmm. And these – teams just couldn't hang with that the way it was set up and this jazz team isn't even like fully formed yet like right. they made a lot of mistakes but like that last play was like oh dang like we really have so much firepower that they couldn't figure out who to who to block they if everyone was a threat um so that was really cool um man i don't I can't think of anything else I want to talk about other than, like, I'm just so excited about this Jazz team. Yeah. Like, this game, out of all the games, has gotten me super excited. Yeah. Be- because, oh, sorry. Um, no, 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 you go, ahead. go um, ahead. Just because, like, you could see, like, the wheels turning in Quinn Snyder's, Quinn Snyder's system. Like, you could see them trying different looks. Like, mm-hmm. I remember seeing, you know, Joe Ingles taking the ball off the court, which led eventually to, like, this lob to Rudy. Uh, like, Joe can run that pick and roll or you have Donovan and Mike at the same time that were just at the top of the arc, um, just sitting there like passing the ball off so fast that people couldn't figure out who to defend. And either one of them would hit the three. Like it's, you see all these different plays and scenarios working out and sometimes they didn't score on them or whatever, but you could see them happening. And once the jazz have those screws, tightened tight and i'm i'm thinking it's gonna be like mid-season dude it's gonna be so fun to watch yeah no i agree and uh with with how well they've been playing um well first i want to mention their next game is tonight if you're listening on monday november 11th tonight against at 8 30 mountain time against the warriors um and then they're kind of back and forth between the road and home uh before they take a five game road swing starting on November 25th. And let me tell you, I think that the Jazz are going to enter that five-game road swing on a nine-game winning streak. Oh, my gosh. And let me tell you why after the Undefeated break. at home. 
It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, that is lofty expectations Mm -hmm. that I have. But let me tell you who they play. Okay, Okay, so they play the Warriors tonight. Come back, they have a back-to-back. Second game of that backpack is tomorrow against the Nets. Nets not playing great basketball right now. Uh, They're 4-5. and Then they hit the road. They have a a three-day break. They hit the road. Um, Mike Conley's returned to Memphis. So he's going to be motivated. Yeah. Plus that Memphis team looks pretty good. They do look pretty good. Uh they have promise. They're two and seven. They have promise. Yeah, but I mean, like it's it's so it's going to be nice to see like some old faces and I'm excited to see John Morant. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Kind of the changing of the guard. Uh-huh. We're going to see it on the court in Memphis, and the Jazz just kind of always struggle against the Grizzlies. But then they come back. Uh, they'll have two days off. They'll play the Timberwolves at home. Then they play the Timberwolves again on Wednesday, the following Wednesday. Back home uh, two days later for a game against the Warrior, the Warriors. And then they have a back-to-back, and they're hosting the Pelicans. So that's cool. the return of Derek Favors. Yep. Um, and then they're going to hit that five-game road swing, uh, Eastern Conference road swing, um, and they play the Bucks. So I think the f- schedule kind of favors the Jazz. Yeah. Uh, I think the Nets game is going to be kind of the weirdest hurdle to get over. Because um, you don't know what you're going to get yet. Like, yeah. They have... S- some dangerous players and it's like yeah, who's going to show yeah. up like who's going to show up that day yeah so um but i am optimistic i mean the thing that this coaching staff has always proven is when they have time to go in and work with their guys and make adjustments they they have a big difference and so we're going to see you know they've had 3 days off since yeah. friday between mon- friday and monday um they've worked on some things over the weekend yeah they traveled but they were able to get some thing, some practice in, um, look at some film, and mm-hmm. I think they'll be ready for uh, this back to back between the Warriors and the Nets. And um, if they get past that Nets game, look out because they're going to go on a, a really big run. I think. So let me ask you a question: Do you think this Warriors game? Obviously, the Warriors are in big trouble. Like mm-hmm. they suck right now, and they're not going to get any better in the near future. No. Do you? Since this this is a road game, and then you got a back to back at home, do you rest players on the Jazz like starters, or, and this isn't really related, um, do you bring back Dante Exum to try him out on a weak Golden State team? Um, if he's ready. So first question, I don't think that you rest them because they've had basically three days off. Okay. Um. Well, two and a half days, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Sure, sure. Um, and so I don't think you want to rest them just because once you get to like that three to four day range that they're rested, mm-hmm. sometimes they kind of lose a little bit of their um, their sharpness. True. Uh, and they become a little bit complacent. I f- that's, that's just how I feel sometimes. Um, and so I wouldn't rest them to start the game, but, you know, if they get a big lead, okay. pull starters in the third quarter if you can. Um, if if it's manageable, if it's if it's possible, it should be. I mean, honestly, sure. this is a borderline G League team. 
yeah. that the Warriors are running rolling out. Yeah. Um, a lot of really young guys, but you never know what could happen. You never know mm-hmm. if someone's just going to get hot and have a crazy game. Um, you know, Derrick Rose last year around this time, true, had his fifty point game against the Jazz, and it's and I just I just wondered what you thought because like you know Jazz notoriously bad on their on the second leg of their back-to-backs yeah i wouldn't so i would if you can't afford to rest them yeah do it and then um bring in i don't know if you bring dante back yet okay i honestly i feel like a good target date for dante to come back and i know that he's been practicing and everything and he's getting more and more into uh getting closer to his return i feel like a good date to maybe target is that home game against the Warriors on the 22nd of November. Okay. Um, just because it gives him like another 10 days from now mm-hmm. uh, to continue rehabbing, resting. Yeah. Just because I feel... Okay, here's here's my theory on Dante X. Okay, let's hear it. I don't know that he's going to be with the Jazz by the end of the season. Ooh, I think he's really? going to get moved by the trade deadline. And here's why. Okay. Um, I think... Moutier um, has been playing really well in the backup point guard minutes. Sure. Um, Donovan also has played really well being the primary ball handler. So mm-hmm. between him, between Donovan, Mike, and um, uh, Moutier, Emmanuel, um, you have three guys that can pretty much handle all the time at the one. Mm-hmm. Um, Dante, they are kind of experimenting with him moving positions just because they want to get him on the court. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel like the Jazz are still missing a guy that can play like a good. So Ed Davis is a great backup five. Right. But with him hurt, um, I feel like the Jazz are still lacking size at the four. Sure. And so I wouldn't mind seeing them go out and make a move for someone who has like a similar salary to gotcha. Dante to get some more minutes at the four to just match up with teams that have a little bit more length. Right. Um, their team is smaller now. Like, yeah. Without faves. So yeah. I think I, I can't remember exactly what um, Dante's salary is. If I remember right, it's like between like 11 and 14 million, but if that sounds right. Try and move something to get a piece kind of similar to that. Hmm. Um, maybe throw in, if you just sw- uh, sweeten the deal a little bit, maybe throw in like Niang or, Someone who right. has kind of a smaller contract, like a a, a good value contract, mm-hmm. um, that could add rotation minutes for uh, a team that, you know, might be out of the playoff hunt yeah. later in the season. So that's why I wouldn't rush Dante back, just because I, I feel like if he gets rushed back and he's injured, then he's just true. There's no value on his contract, and that would make sense, that. especially if like you know, the the Jazz need him to get a stock up. So you take your time bringing him back. There's still plenty of time for the trade deadline to, for people to see what he can do yeah. if he's healthy. And and I'm sure the front office probably completely disagrees with me. With the way that they've invested in Dante and all of his rehabilitation and giving him contracts, even with all his injuries, mm-hmm. I think they still believe in what they picked at that number five pick um, almost five years ago now. But Yeah. I mean, you see flashes of what he can do and... Man, it's just like if he if that Donovan from like the playoffs two years ago is able to play like that this year on this yeah. Jazz team, freaking, it's gonna be insane. Yeah, um, I just I I still feel like they're one piece away. And right. 
looking at the contracts that they have, because a lot of these bets are on veteran minimums, Dante's contract is the one that makes the most sense for me to move. Mm. Um, I don't think they'll... Joe's going to retire as a jazz man. Yeah. They're not going to go out and move any of the guys that they traded for signed during the offseason. So Dante's the one guy that kind of makes sense based on his contract. But mm. you never know. Like we'll it. see. Um, I uh, There's a reason I'm not working in NBA front office. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, it's because of uh, ideas like that. But um, Hema, uh, I think we've kind of exhausted all of our jazz talk. Um. We had a pretty crazy sports weekend, even with Utah on a bye. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had two different classifications, 3A and 2A state right. semifinals. We have college basketball is back in full swing. The season tipped off on Tuesday. Uh, so we were about six days in. We had BYU football, Weber State football, BYU basketball in action. Um, Utah basketball doing big things, putting up huge offensive numbers. <laughs> Just rolling. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Uh, Utah State rolled over Weber State. So with everything that kind of happened over the weekend, I want to talk about – I don't want to really break down individual games. Sure. We just want to do three quick takeaways, three quick hits on the weekend in sports, what you thought, and maybe even if you want to look forward into uh, – what we have coming up in the next couple of weeks, we have sure. high school football playoffs are going to be wrapping up. Um, BYU and Utah State are going to be uh, looking to wrap up um, a bid to make a potential bowl game. So I just want uh, – I'll let you start with your first takeaway. Okay. My first takeaway is Weber State football, the Wildcats need to find a solution for their Josh Davis problem. And what mm-hmm. problem is that, if you guys haven't heard – Josh Davis played like three snaps in the football game against North Dakota last, this past weekend, um, and then got injured, had a had concussion protocol, didn't return to the game. Um, it was that that point, like after he left, um, even though Weber State did score a couple touchdowns, both passing, um, they struggled with the run, and they didn't really have a solution for the run, and I think. They definitely, if they want to keep up on that this this championship tear that they're on right now, they really need to figure out what they're going to do with the run right now. Um, Josh Davis is so dynamic, and I still don't know what the extent of his concussion is, like how long he's going to be out, but he can't miss too much. And if he's out for the season, I don't know if he is or not, that's going to be a real problem. Because, I mean... um. I wouldn't say they struggled against North Dakota, but it wasn't an easy game. And this isn't the good North Dakota. This isn't North Dakota State. It's mm-hmm. just North Dakota. And um, to see the Wildcats really have to dig deep and step up. I mean, Jake Constantine in the second half played out of his mind and had two big, huge runs, including one touchdown run, which is exactly what they needed to mm-hmm. ice the game. And so... Um, that's the my number one takeaway is Weber State needs to figure out the run game without Josh Davis. Okay. Uh, my takeaway, um, Utah State is still in the hunt for a Mountain West Mountain Division title. Um, so they are currently tied for second place with Air Force, who beat them head-to-head. It's their one conference loss. Um, they This weekend they're going to host Wyoming. Uh, and this is kind of... 
a defining game for what Utah State's legacy is going to be this season in the Mountain West Conference in their conference play. Um, I think we kind of hit the panic button after that loss against BYU. Deservedly so, because it was it was rough. Um, Utah State was is 0-3 um, in their non-conference play. Uh, it's concerning. They did play three P5 caliber programs. Mm-hmm. Actually, excuse me, they're 1-3. They're they did play an FCS program. Um, so they're 1-3 in their non-conference play. Lost to LSU. Given LSU, yeah. Wake Forest, they honestly should have beat Wake Forest, and then BYU, um, BYU just played the best possible game that they could. Yeah. So we start hitting the panic button after the loss to Air Force and the loss against BYU. But they came out and played a complete game. Jordan Love still showed. He was thirty for thirty nine against Fresno State. Yeah, Fresno State has been kind of disappointing so far this year, but. Um, they did enter the season kind of with the same expectations that the Aggies had as um, a potential contender for a division championship. Um, and so, entering this weekend, Utah State is going to host Wyoming. Um, Wyoming is in third place in the division, 3-2. and two, Just dropped a game against Boise State. Um, and the close game, it was an overtime loss. 17 to 20. So Wyoming is a tough team. But the reason um, I'm saying don't panic is that I think Utah State has a really good chance. If they play the way they did against Fresno State, um, Wyoming is 1 and 3 on the road this year. Utah State is 3 and 1 at home. Mm-hmm. So Utah State always plays really well at the MAV. Yeah. Jordan Love, I think that uh, he kind of took the last two games. Uh, had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Um, his wide receivers balled out for him. Jordan Nathan was making some amazing catches. Oh, yeah. CLC Mariner was doing his thing. Jalen Warren's back healthy uh, for the time being. And so all those things kind of add up to, I think that Utah State is going to be able to secure a bowl bid, pick up their, um, their uh, sixth win of the season on Saturday when they host the Pokes. So... Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Hema, you're going to be up there. So yep. uh, it should be a good weekend. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what Utah State can do. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. My number two. Yeah. All right. My second takeaway from the weekend. And this is kind of interesting because as you were talking about uh, Jordan Love, it was kind of like sounding similar to how I feel about my number two. And that is Bryson Barnes is the truth. Okay. Yes, he is. It's. He okay. The reason why he reminds me of Jordan Love is well, because say, tell tell the people who Bryson oh, Barnes. Bryson is. Barnes. For those who don't know, if you don't know, you should know. He's the quarterback for our beloved Milford Tigers, who are heading into the two A two A championship against Beaver. Weekend. Yes, yeah. and Bryson Barnes is like he is a six A starting quarterback playing in two A right now. Yeah. He's insane. He he's a division one athlete. Exactly. And in fact, I don't even know. Do you know what kind of offers he has? He has here? a walk on offer to the U, I believe. To the U, that's yeah. right. Um, which is mind blowing. In fact, if any FCS schools are looking for a quarterback, I mean FBS schools. If I'm Jay Hill, sure. He's my number one target. Number one. Um, same with uh Paul Peterson down at Dixie State. Yeah. Like for sure. they're they're getting ready to transition to the FCS level. Oh, division yeah. one level. 
and be become an FCS independent, that's the guy that you want He's as quarterback for your program as you make that transition. So they they played the uh, Milford played Millard, and Milford, who Bryson Barnes plays for. This is I don't want to get people confused. They came back to win that game behind a. 10-yard scoring pass from Bryson Barnes to Zach Sherwood with, like, nine seconds left. And Bryson Barnes scored one touchdown by himself with his legs, and he threw for three for the entire game. And yeah. it's, if you see this guy play, you're like, holy crap, like, what? he looks like a 6A quarterback. Yeah. I and, mean, he's, like, he's like 6'3", mm-hmm. 210 pounds. He plays safety. Like, he kind of does it all. Yeah. I mean, he has to. He's yeah. like 2A. Yeah. But he's got a hell of an arm. He can run. He's smart, and he had a great game, and I'm so happy that they like they had a kind of a down season. Um, they were supposed to kind of run the table, maybe go undefeated in two A, but it's so they they lost to Beaver the last time they played, and they got blown out actually. Yeah, and so it's going to be the rematch coming up. I believe it's Saturday down at Dixie State. Mm-hmm. You guys are down in St. George this weekend for whatever reason. Seriously, oh, check it. Go out. catch out. The, go check out this game because it's going to be two really good teams. Yeah. Um, playing for for the state championship. Yeah. So, anyways, that's my number two. Bryson Barnes is the truth. Okay, I'm actually gonna stick for stick to high school for uh my number two. Um, so we had the quarterfinals in six a five a four a this weekend. Everyone's seen if they're gonna make the trip to Rice Eccles. But at the three a level, um. We don't really get many opportunities to see a lot of these 3A, 2A teams. For sure. I was over at Mountain View High School for the 3A semifinals. Um, both really fun games. Okay. Um, North Sam Pete uh, faced um, Morgan in the early game. Defensive battle. I think there were nine turnovers. Whoa. Yeah. Just <laughs> kind of like it was, a, it was not... Like, the prettiest game was really ugly, but uh-huh. it was entertaining because it was a 10-7 final. Morgan wins on a pick six, actually. Wow. Um, but a little bit of controversy there um, because Morgan's, uh, the quarterback from North San Pete, his knees were down when he threw the ball, mm. but it wasn't called back. It, the pick six stood. There's no replay in high school football. But right. um, what I actually want to talk about for my second point is the uh, second game. It was Juab against Grantsville. And talking about guys that are the truth, Cade Bowering from Juab. Yeah. Um, I really like Juab's team because all these kids are just really like every single player on their team has the exact same body type. Yeah. Like, from the linemen to like the five eleven and yeah. six foot three long athletic <laughs> kids. Um, and honestly, like you could probably stick any of the linemen back at running back, and they could be pretty effective. But Cade Bowering, they run this triple option offense. Um, kind of like a wing T motion, um, a lot of uh, uh, movement and outside runs and yeah. um, pitches and stuff like that. And Cade Bowering, um, he scored the two first half touchdowns for Juab. And I mean, he's just he's making so many plays out there. Mm-hmm. First opportunity I've had to see Juab and Cade Bowering in person, but I mean, we've watched his performances from afar this season i came away really impressed i mean austin bell in my opinion um is the best running back in the state i'd agree with that corner yeah. corner canyon running back i really like targy lamson from uh Tempview as well but um Cade bowering's up there 
He's he's yeah. a guy that um a little bit undersized, but I'm excited to see what he's able to do. Um, if he gets an opportunity at the next level. Not sure that it would be necessarily a, a Utah, Utah State, or BYU, but mm-hmm. again, one of these FCS programs. Take a look at these guys because they're sure. really good. And they, you know, like it's it's going to be the worst <laughs> thing in the world if they don't go anywhere. They don't play for any school. Like even yeah. if it's a D two school, like these kids would kill it. Yeah. So I really hope that they get that exposure. So cool. Um, time for my number three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So my number three takeaway. I guess if you can call it a takeaway is freaking extend Kalani. Okay. Um, they beat Liberty and sure it wasn't a great, they didn't roll Liberty, but they still got the job done. that needed to be done. I'm talking about the coaching staff. Um, you know, you're missing Zach Wilson. You're missing a bunch of key players. Um, but you just look at where Kalani's at. I, I know, I know you don't have to tell me, that they're gonna wait till he becomes, till the team gets bowl eligible mm-hmm. before they think about it. So they they will this week against Idaho State. They better, but they will this week will, against Idaho will. State. Um, but freaking extend him already because it will rest his mind. He's had a turbulent season, and he beat Boise State and Utah State. Okay, two of the three rivals. Sure, we lost to Utah. BYU lost to Utah. But freaking Utah is a fringe playoff, college football playoff team. Mm-hmm. So just write that off. There's no way you're going to beat Utah on this special year. So extend Kalani. I don't know what the, what they're freaking waiting for. Uh, and that's my third takeaway. Really simple. So I, uh, this game against Liberty was weird. So I am kind of really disappointed with some of the play calling, especially on the offensive side. Because sure. We saw so much progress, and then I feel like they took, like, three steps forward, but then, like, five backward. Freaking calling a timeout when you're ahead, like... Right. And and the other team has no timeouts. Like, yeah. What was that? Like, why? Yeah, and, and, like, the second and ninth scrum play in the first half. Yeah. Um, That fake field goal. Like, I I know Kalani addressed it. Like, he's going to run trick plays when he wants to, and he said that it's dictated on matchups and stuff that they see on the field, but yeah. some of it I just didn't understand. But at the same time, like, I feel like... A lot of BYU fans are panicking, mm-hmm. but BYU left, took 14 points off of the board and handed them to, um, it ended up swinging to three points for Liberty mm-hmm. um, because of turnovers. So BYU lost the turnover battle, 2 nothing. Yep. had a fumble and a, uh interception. Both times that they turned the ball over, they, they were in Liberty territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, if you look at that, it's a 45-21 win. Sure. Um, and, you know, they probably don't fake the field goal at the end of the game if they're winning 45-21. Right. So it's 48-21 um, if that's the case. And yeah. so um, I feel like, yeah, just looking at how close of a win it was, um, <coughs> you know, there is some cause for concern. And there there is frustration with the play calling. There has been that. all season. Yeah. Honestly. It just after two really great weeks, I feel like they took some steps backwards. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know if they thought just because of the Calor opponent that Liberty was that they could take a few steps, but Yeah. Yeah, that's just that was my thing. I do think that Kalani deserves to be extended. Um, I think that with all the adversity that they faced this season, 
mm-hmm. injuries for sure. Um, tough schedule. I I do feel like the program has taken a step forward, but um, it's not time to hit the panic button again, like Utah State with BYU. Yeah. Uh, my third takeaway from the weekend. It's a great weekend for the Utes. It's a great weekend to be a Ute. Oh, for sure. Let me tell you why. Two teams ahead of them in the college football playoff rankings actually slid oh by losing. Goodness. So Alabama lost to LSU. Uh-huh. Don't know that Alabama in the college football playoff rankings is going to slide. Are they out right now, actually? Um, the CFP Slow rankings that. won't come out until uh, Tuesday. Okay. And those are the rankings that really matter. Right, right, right. Um, the AP ranking after this week, Utah, and I actually I, I pitched this. Yeah, among the sports beat staff, and everyone laughed at me. I said Minnesota's going to leapfrog Utah in the standings, aren't they? For beating Penn, State. and everyone laughed at me and said, yeah. "Dude, no." no. Well, they Minnesota's did. number seven. Utah's <laughs> still at number eight. Um, but Alabama slides back to four. LSU's up to one. Uh, Georgia's still ahead of um, Utah as well as Oregon, but Minnesota leapfrogs the Utes. And the only reason why this happened. It's because the Utes had a bye week. If the Utes played right, yes right. L- last week, then I think that the Utes get move up to seven, um, and Minnesota's at eight, which is too bad because I think is this the first year that you don't advance on a bye week? <laughs> like I feel like people were doing that last year, with yeah, like Georgia and yeah, you know, but like for some reason you the Utes don't get to yeah. advance. Um, but let me tell you what. Minnesota has on their schedule. So um, they played their first ranked team of the season. And th- this is why I think the committee isn't going to just automatically put Minnesota, even though they are undefeated, uh, 9-0. and I don't think they're going to put them ahead of Utah. Right. Because they've only played one ranked team. Um, they're going to be tested again this week. They're on the road at Iowa. It was a home game against Penn State. And then they host uh, Wisconsin in the season finale. They don't play Ohio State during the regular season, mm. um, but they'll probably play them for the championship if, if they end up making it to the Big Ten championship. Yeah. Um, Penn State and Ohio State still play, so there's a chance that maybe Penn State beats Ohio State. Um, and so kind of interested to see how that's going to shake things up. Um, and then uh, Georgia... Um, still has Auburn this weekend to play. Yeah. So potentially, I think the things went, even though they didn't move up in the rankings, this was the best case scenario for the Utes. Right. Um, because they have an opportunity, depending on how things play out with Minnesota and Georgia over the next couple of weeks, they can move up um, to like the sixth spot. And let's say potentially... Oregon's five, Utah's six, depending how things happen in the championship games, mm-hmm. championship weekend. If the Utes went out as they should, yeah. um, they make it to the Pac-12 championship, win that game. They have a legitimate shot to make the playoff. Yeah. And so... Because with everything happening, there's going to be a bunch of one-loss teams. Mm-hmm. And the Utes are, if they win out like they should, they will also be a one-loss team. And... Yeah, it's looking really good. Yeah. For the Utes, for sure. So we'll we'll see how things are going to shake up. Um, I do think that the one detriment that they have is that they are playing in the Pac-12, and that, that does hurt them a little bit just yeah. because 
of the perception nationally. I mean, there is an East Coast bias. Mm-hmm. Whether you believe it or not, <laughs> there is. There um, is. And so um, I'm excited to see. I mean, I want to see local teams do well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it gives us an opportunity. I want to go to. I want to go to New Orleans for yeah for uh, uh, New Year's this year. That'd be sweet. That'd be awesome. Um, so uh, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Um, again, we'll see. We'll see yeah. what's how things will shake up. The next three four weeks are going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm going to uh, Tucson in two weeks. Nice. We'll cover the Utes against Arizona. Um, It'll be nice. So not cold there. Yeah, I'm very excited <laughs> for that aspect of it. Uh, so these final three games, super important for the Utes. Mm-hmm. Um, super important that things continue to shake up their way. And um, as BYU fans are going to say, Utah's the luckiest team in the entire country. <laughs> they just, And uh, I think it's going to continue to prove out that way. Yeah, it's just great to see them in the driver's seat, really, because mm-hmm. now they just got to take care of their business. They just got to get it done. Which they're going to do. They're going to do it. So um, I think that's all we have for this episode of Sports Beat After Hours. Um, one last thought. I want to give a quick shout-out to my son. He turns one on Tuesday. Happy birthday. The 12th, so happy birthday, Hayes. You're the man. I love you, dude. And uh, he's my best buddy. So just wanted to give him a quick little shout-out. I'm excited for his birthday. Nice, dude. Well, thank you guys for listening to Sports Beat After Hours. Um We're back, and we're going to start posting a lot more content coming soon, a lot of big things, so stay tuned to kslsports.com. I am your host, Hemi Mooley Jr. He is Zachary Hicken. Good night, everybody.